3: Welcome into to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now.
4: Welcome to the Pelicans Podcast. I am Joe Cardosi, joined as always by Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. The podcast is presented by SeatGeek. And man, Jim is playing hurt today. He is uh, he is in here with a still bleeding arm and Band-Aid, just showing the grit and the toughness that we expect.
5: Well, you know, Joe, this is actually just a prop. I, there's actually nothing <laughs> underneath this. Just it's for just, Halloween. Right, exactly. I just wore it because I thought it would impress people. Yeah. And it apparently worked with you because you're you're bought in on the whole act. It's true. But yeah. Yeah. No, I had some blood drawn. So, but okay. I'm but I'm all good. Good. No worries. Good. I'm, I I'm gonna fight through it, and uh, you know, it's 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 gonna take a lot more than this to keep me from being on this podcast today. I'll tell you that much. That's what we expect: unstoppable will <laughs> from Jim
4: Eichenhofer, playing hurt, playing hard. Uh, Jim, we've got NOLA.com's Christian Clark on the podcast today. And uh, we're going to be, you know, obviously talking a little bit about that Mavs victory because I cannot get over it. And uh, looking forward to the road trip as well, which we're going to be hitting a few cities and going to be some exciting games.
5: Yeah, this is part of a really interesting stretch of the schedule, I think, for the Pelicans. Um, A bunch of games against the West. Obviously, they started out with the Nets in Charlotte in the East, but then went straight to Utah and Dallas. A bunch of these games are, are good tests for the Pelicans to see where they stand. I've listened to a couple shows and watched some stuff on ESPN and whatnot saying that, you know, we're going to know a lot about the Pelicans after this next week or two. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. Of course, we have to throw in the caveat of, we don't know who's going to be available for the Pelicans. We don't necessarily know who's going to be available for, especially the Clippers on Sunday. But I mean, this is, this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be some uh, really good basketball and a chance for them to go out on the road and, and prove to a lot of people that have already gotten excited across the country about how they look so far, a chance to do it um, against some good teams in, in 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 their arenas.
4: Yeah, I'm starting to see some some fans outside of New Orleans texting me about the Pelicans, which is nice. Some Austin friends that are hopping on the bandwagon. Some some Gulf Coast friends, some Oklahoma friends hopping on the okay. bandwagon. So join up. There's plenty of room. That Phoenix game is going to be at nine o'clock. Uh, going to be a little bit later, but stay up. You know, have some coffee. Uh, hang around with us on 99.5 WRNO. And uh, also the Clippers game is going to be an early one, 2 p.m. So you'll be able to to drink in the daytime and enjoy that one on TV uh, or on 99.5. And the Lakers game, another late one, 9.30. So I'm going to have to uh, get some energy drinks in me and uh, do some jumping jacks to stay up for that one. But, uh, boy, something tells me I'll still be interested in watching us play the Lakers.
5: <laughs> and you know what? I'm a little surprised that that game is not on national TV. I I actually thought it was until I looked back at it and saw that it's a 930 game. If it was on ESPN, it would be at nine because that's what they like to do with their tip-off times. But um, they picked a different game that night, and uh, I guess it'll just have to be uh, instead of a national audience, it'll it'll be uh, us here and out there in California that get to watch it. But Yeah. Yeah, that Late. is
4: surprising with the way they breathlessly cover the Lakers no matter how bad or good they are.
5: Right. Uh, you would and I think, think
4: that they'd be on there.
5: And I want to say maybe two or three of the games of the four or I think it was three games on national TV last year um in the series. So, yeah, that was a little bit surprising, but um we'll see how the how New Orleans does. I mean, this will be this will be fun uh I know the Lakers are are struggling right now, and oh, uh, no. the Pelicans will try to add to that.
4: Yes, let's try to add on to their woes. And again, we do not know what the status of Herb, B.I., or Zion will be, but we are remaining hopeful. Uh, obviously, it's more of a pain tolerance thing and and being able to play comfortably with Zion. Brandon Ingram's a little, you know, dicier because he has to go through a certain set of protocols. It's not necessarily how he's feeling. He has to pass a certain battery of tests that take some time.
5: Right. It's very... Difficult to predict, if not impossible to predict when someone's in concussion protocol of what kind of time frame that you're looking at. I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, the Pelicans can benefit a little bit from how spaced out the schedule is over this next stretch. Um, it's pretty rare that you have two days off between games. As people know, you, there's you're, there's kind of a cadence of every other day. And then you throw in some back-to-backs as well. Right. But they had two days between this Dallas game and the first game in Phoenix, of no no basketball or no games and then there's two days between the Clippers game and the Lakers game in Los Angeles as well so they're going to get plenty of time to uh enjoy the city of Los Angeles but um basketball wise hopefully this will reduce the number of games that some of these guys miss because there's just so they're they're playing so few games over the next stretch of days
4: yeah so so hopefully that'll help the Pelicans health-wise and we're looking forward to it. So, so get ready. This is going to be a fun stretch of games before we're back home against the Golden State Warriors. So, again, this is we looked at it before the season like, man, this stretch is going to be a little tough. Hopefully with a little luck, uh, maybe some bad injury news on the other side, maybe some good injury news for us. We can come out of this looking pretty squeaky clean still. Let's get nola.com's Christian Clark in here. Talk to him. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast is Pelicans writer Christian Clark. Christian, how you doing, man?
7: I'm doing well, man. Jim's Jim's just had a big smile on his face like for two weeks straight because of uh, this this Phillies playoff run. So I don't know if I'm (laughs) doing as good as him,
4: but I'm doing well. He's too happy right now, which is uh, we got to tamp him down a little bit. I got to say, speaking of happy, uh, after that that brutal Jazz loss, like right at the last second. That Mavs win felt like uh, like a playoff game. I don't know if you were in the Smoothie King Center, got to experience the atmosphere out in the, the actual arena, but how was it from your perspective?
7: Yeah, man. I mean, I was in there and, and feeling the blender vrooming. Um, <laughs> it's been a great atmosphere, these two home games I, I've seen so far. Um, I mean, I think you kind of expected that at the home opener too, right? It's like it's a Sunday, Zion's back. But it was really encouraging to see you know the fans back in there on Tuesday too, you know, knowing that Zion, Bi, Herb, all weren't going to play, uh, kind of an early start. Um, amazing atmosphere, and uh, team put on a good show too.
5: Christian, I know uh, we're we're going to look forward to the atmosphere that we see on this upcoming road trip. You're going to be heading out to Phoenix and L.A. for some games. Um, I, I was first of all, I was wondering um, where does uh, Phoenix and L.A. where are they? Where do they rank on your list of cities to visit?
7: Uh, Phoenix, probably not very high. I mean, the, the Valley's just kind of soulless to me.
4: Yeah. You don't like wandering around yeah. in the desert?
7: <laughs> not
4: a big What's desert wrong guy. With you? Yeah.
7: I, I don't think I'm a big <laughs> desert guy. I never enjoy going to Vegas that much. I do like LA. I've got an aunt who, uh, I'm pretty close with who lives there. going to see her while I'm out there. Um, I like different parts of LA rather than downtown. Uh, you know, usually I'm staying downtown, but I mean, it's nice, man. You know, it's always, really good weather so can't complain.
4: Yeah, I could see you rocking like a Knight of the Roxbury suit and you know, doing it up on Sunset <laughs> Strip, uh,
5: you know, it's it's your kind of town. In in terms of uh obviously there are basketball games that are going to be played. I mean, how much are you looking forward to Friday's game in terms of just getting back to playing against the Suns that that was such a memorable playoff series even though obviously it didn't go ultimately the way the Pelicans wanted it to go. But, I mean, how much are you looking forward to that uh, chance to see these two teams play against each other again?
7: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm I'm very, very excited. Another national TV game. Uh, Jose Alvarado versus Chris Paul round seven, eight, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited for that. Um, I mean, there's so many good storylines, like Willie Green, you know, Monty Williams was his mentor. He's best friends with Chris Paul, and yet at the same time, he's sicking Jose Alvarado on his best friend. Like, that's not—it's <laughs> just not a very nice thing to do to your friend, to just sick Jose on him.
4: Yeah, Jose, who I feel like has taken a, a leap this year. I mean, I, of course he was, you know, uh, hounding people on defense last year, but it feels like offensively he's he's stepped up another level this this season.
7: Yeah, I mean, what do you have in the first quarter in the Dallas game? Like 12, 13 points? Yeah. yeah. Went at JaVale McGee twice in the first quarter. And had some pretty sick finishes at the rim against him. Um, Jose said after one of the preseason games that he uh, spent part of the summer working out with Tony Parker. And I thought that was a, a pretty cool detail. Um, you, I think you can see that influence a little mm. bit with just the way mm-hmm. he finishes around the rim. Like yeah. he's got a nice floater package. Like he's got, you know, he's doing like kind of fancy things with his footwork and, you know, like shooting layups that are uh, like more complicated than just like a simple right-hand layup or whatever. Um man Jose is really impressive
5: A couple of those shots that he had over Javel McGee reminded me a little bit of even like Steve Nash where he's kind of dribbling around keeping his dribble alive around the basket and just pivoting to try to eventually find the best angle to put the shot up I feel like some of the stuff some of those plays are things that he wouldn't have probably tried last season but his confidence has just gone up so much so that's definitely a good sign from what we're seeing from him um another guy that I wanted to talk about was what, what's what been your um impression of Trey Murphy? I feel like everyone talked about during the off season that he was a candidate to make a big improvement and to make a jump. But I mean, in terms of how he's played so far, w- w- what do you think about just the progress that he's made?
7: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right that there was a lot of buzz this summer of, Hey, look, I think Trey is going to be better in year two than year one. Like he's showing a lot of stuff during these pickup runs. I think we saw that during the preseason, um, just, uh, a a high degree of confidence. Like he's, he's shooting a lot of threes, like several feet beyond the Mm -hmm. line. I mean, we saw him and after a shoot around the other day, going around the four point line, the Pelicans have in their practice facility, which I think is like three feet beyond the the normal three point line. uh, Those 27, 28 footers are are not a problem for him. Uh, I mean, just shooting it with so much confidence right now and they need it too. I mean, they still, I mean, like there's a ton of offensive talent on this team. But not a lot of like dead eye three point shooters. Um, so they need him to continue firing. He's huge too. I don't know if yeah. he's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's, Slow. six big foot guard. 10, six foot 11, he's, mm-hmm. as he's claiming.
4: Um, yeah, he hit another growth spurt, which yeah. I'm hoping to <laughs> catch one too. You know, like, I don't know if you hit one at 40, but I'm ready.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys who was a, a late bloomer. I think he was six foot four, something like that at the start of college at Rice. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of this has, has come, during his college career and, and continued to grow in the NBA too. I think those guys are always interesting. Like the guys who could play, but then they were, you know, four and then they just shot up to 6'10". It's like, oh, wow,
4: I'm enormous now. This is sweet. It's interesting how, how the Pelicans have some, like, you know, just smaller guards and Devontae Graham, and you got Jose Alvarado, and then you got some huge guards and Dyson Daniels and Trey Murphy. It, it's sort of matchup-wise, you can sort of throw whatever at them
5: right yeah, now. Yeah, I think that's the nice part about it is that you have a lot of different options. I mean, even within the game situations in fourth quarters, if you need defense, they, there's some guys they can use. If you need three-point shooting, there's some specific guys that you can throw out there. So I think from a coaching standpoint, that that is nice to have um, some of those options. Um, Christian, we talked about, you know, Jose and Trey, the development that they've made and the improvement that they've made for the team overall when you when you look at and obviously right now they're dealing with Brandon Ingram's out, Zion's out, Herbs out. Hopefully one, two, three of those guys will be back as soon as possible, but from what you've seen through the first four games and when you look back at what your expectations were for the team going into the season or how good you thought they could be, has that changed at all based on what you've seen so far or is it kind of the same of what you expected? Uh I think the
7: same. I mean, I I thought, you know, during the preseason they're going to be good. Like I felt pretty confident in them hitting their over, you know, I think it was at 43 and a half, something like that. Um, there's just so much talent on this team. And and we saw it against Dallas, you know, eight guys in double figures, Dyson Daniels, who didn't crack the rotation. The first three games can play, mm-hmm. uh, stole a ball from Luca twice in that game, you know, did some stuff on offense, uh, hit, a, hit a three, a couple floaters. floaters. Um, I mean, like one through nine, one through 10, there's just, a lot of guys who can really play. So, no, I don't think anything's really changed. But I, mean, I think I thought they were going to be good, and it looks like they're going to be good.
4: Yeah, we talked about it on the last podcast. But in terms of a test of the depth of this team, it seems like we were talking about this being a deep team, just in terms of when everyone's healthy, the rotations you can throw out there. But to have that sort of depth where, you know, a lot of your bench guys with three of your starters out can step up to a, a fully healthy Mavericks team who just. I mean, absolutely dump truck Memphis, who is, you know, no slouches. That, that to me just sort of speaks to the character of this team. And, and it gives you a lot of motivation going forward and, in terms of not being afraid of anybody, even if injuries do pop up right now.
7: I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think Willie Green deserves a lot of credit for that, too. Like these guys clearly want to play for him. I saw a, a clip of Shaq saying on the TNT broadcast, mm-hmm. like just kind of complimenting Willie. Um, Shaq is a guy who's not just gonna like blindly compliment coaches.
4: Yeah. He will, mm-hmm. uh, criticize them sometimes. <laughs> yes. And so like
7: that, that said a lot to me too. It's like, Oh, that's cool. Like Shaq's in your corner. That, that means something to me.
4: Yeah. Kendrick Perkins actually tweeted uh Willie green coach of the year. Kendrick Perkins known hater. Uh, <laughs> so it's good to see some, some love getting thrown at Willie too. Cause yeah. he deserves it.
5: Things are definitely changing from a, from a national perspective in terms of the tone and the way that people see this team. Um, Christian, I know this might be tough to to, to answer, not knowing going in who's going to be available and and that kind of thing in terms of player availability for this road trip, but I'm curious, what what would you define as a successful road trip going into these three games against the Suns, Clippers, and Lakers?
7: I mean, probably two and one.
5: I mean, I, I think
7: they have the talent to do that. I mean, I think you really like to beat the Lakers, who have uh, started zero and four. I don't know if you guys stayed up for that game. Yeah, last I've been time. paying attention to that. Yeah,
5: yeah I've bit. had I've had a slight eye on that. Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah.
7: A slight eye, a slight eye. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pelicans, of course, have uh, swap rights with them, so like it's it's almost like worth double anytime you can. Uh, yeah. any Anytime yeah, you can beat true. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it'd be be nice to go two and one, and uh, hopefully we see
4: uh, you know all these guys back
7: in the strip and, and maybe even one or a couple of them on Friday.
4: How much do you expect the Pelicans playoff experience against Phoenix uh, last season to translate into this game? I think a lot of the players that played against Phoenix last season have sort of taken a jump now. How do you feel like we match up any different than, than you think we saw last year in the playoffs?
7: Yeah. I mean, what I've seen from Phoenix, like they've looked good. They beat golden state the other night. I mean, that was a really nice win for them. Um, Chris Paul's not doing a lot of- them right now like he's kind of just like I think taking a a backseat role right now and I'm sure that will amp up as the season goes like it's been more of just the ball in Devin Booker's hands and he's looked really good um so like limiting him as much as you can but yeah it's it's been kind of interesting it I I think like they've like kind of had a conscious effort of like let's let's not wear out Chris Paul who's 37 years old like right at the beginning of the season like let's play through Devin Booker as much as we can
4: and and obviously LA there's some questions there about who might be playing uh with the clippers because uh obviously you said Paul George questionable uh Kawhi went back home uh so you know what are you look are you looking at that as a juicy matchup you say two and one
7: i mean i got to see who's in for the clippers game uh it seems like Kawhi's knees are literally not built different on i mean yeah it's uh he, he's just missing a lot of games and like yeah. it seems like he's something he's just going to continue to deal with um I mean, I think Phoenix is going to be hard. I mean, I think they're definitely going to be motivated. Like, they've looked good this year. It's on their home floor. So I'd say Clippers is is probably more winnable.
4: So if you're a betting man, Christian Clark's going to be costing you (laughs) your fingers. You heard it here first.
5: Yeah, I think one of the things I'm looking forward to from the Phoenix game is just it would be unrealistic to think that it's going to be playoff intensity. But just I, I enjoyed just kind of the chippiness between the two teams last year and just how, you know, emotional at God and stuff like that. And I, I do think that they're rivalries are a good thing. And not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Pelican Suns is like a big rivalry in the NBA, but I do think that there's a chance that when the, these two teams play each other that it could be – it could pr- produce some intensity and some good moments. And just coincidentally, they play each other a bunch of times in the first couple months of the season. So I think that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing Friday night is just to see – some of the battles, I know one of the big antagonists from the Suns will not be playing of Jay Crowder, one of the people that New Orleans fans definitely um, had some harsh things to say about. Yeah. But, but we still have, um, you know, as Christian said, the Chris Paul versus Jose matchup and some of the other ones. Um, I'm curious to see how the Pelicans do against DeAndre Ayton because that guy was phenomenal in yeah. the playoff series. I mean, he was incredible. I feel like we've seen him play really well, but he was so – it felt like he shot about 90% in that series, even though I know that wasn't. Actually so I, I actually, <laughs> yeah. I looked
7: it up last night when I was kind of doing my notes, shot 70% in that series. So it's not yeah. that far off. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
5: And what's, what's crazy about yeah. 70% is it wasn't like, you know, Mitchell Robinson, just to pick out a name who's always at the top of the field goal percentage, but he never shoots beyond a layup or a dunk. He was, he probably shot um, 80% on like mid range shots. I mean that 18 footer, he was just nailing like it was something that he does every day. So I I was so impressed with him. So hopefully New Orleans can do better against him, even though, I mean, if he, if he shoots the ball like that, there's not much you can do really. Yeah. Hopefully he
4: didn't eat his spinach for this game and uh, <laughs> doesn't have that Mario invincible star in his pocket because he was out of his mind. Uh, so we are looking forward to this road trip. Uh, obviously we'll see Christian Clark, uh, out there uh, hanging around in the desert and out in L.A. just uh, doing it up. Uh, so, Christian, thanks for joining the pod, man. Appreciate it.
7: Yeah, man, I'll be staying inside my hotel room in the desert. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys.
4: <laughs> Big thanks to Christian Clark for joining us. He's always a lot of fun. Check out his articles on NOLA.com, uh, and he will be jet-setting out there to Phoenix and to L.A., uh, so looking forward to having him back in the blender as well once we get back home uh, Jim you, you you've got that look in your eye today you know despite yes. the blood uh, despite the the gore that you're having to deal with and the pain it seems like you've got an extra fire in your <laughs> eye today a little extra
5: pep in your step what's going on I certainly do Joe and I, I think I have another gym rant for us today uh oh <laughs>
4: Jim Rant. rant. Woo! Get ready. Sit down. Strap yourself
5: in. It's Jim Rant time, guys. Well, Joe, I don't know if you remember back to the spring. People who follow basketball probably recall that one of the big narratives in the NBA was the demise of the super teams across the league. Yeah. You had Brooklyn go through a kind of a nightmare, crazy season. And then they got swept by Boston in the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You had the Lakers with their super team duo, not even make the play in round. (laughs) You had the Sixers with Harden and joining them and Embiid um, have some struggles and get knocked out in the second round, pretty handily by the Miami heat. It's almost
4: like chemistry matters.
5: Right. And, uh, well, I've got I've got news for you, Joe. As much as people talked about how rough things were looking for the super teams in say April and May, yeah, things have actually gotten worse. Because to start the beginning of the regular season, as I talked to you here for Friday's show, the Utah Jazz have more wins by themselves yeah, who were
4: supposed to be tanking
5: than those three teams that I mentioned between the Lakers, Nets in 76ers. True. They're all struggling. They're all they all followed up, you know, seasons where they had super high expectations and really especially in the case of Brooklyn and the Lakers just crashed and burned and didn't even come close to Duds. meeting meeting the hype that people had for them. All three of those teams are having all kinds of problems. And as you mentioned, um, chemistry makes a big difference. It's almost like, you know, this is still a team sport. As, yeah, and as hype machines don't count for wins. As, as much as people sometimes have tried to make it seem like every player can just be their own thing and just go off and do their own thing, just let them play basketball. At the end of the day, you still have, there's so many group dynamics and team dynamics on both sides of the ball. On offense, you know, you have to, the teams that win are the teams that move the ball, that share the ball, that pass. On defense, it's it's a lot of it is about kind of your effort. If you if you have the attitude of, you know, I'm the star player, I'm gonna let the other guys do the job on defense. It doesn't work. Usually if you have one, you know, hole in a defense or one leaky faucet, it just ruins the kind of the whole thing. So um, I that's been one of my biggest takeaways so far yeah. from the early part of the season is just I'm stunned. No, I shouldn't say stunned. I'm amazed that Things have gotten worse for some of the teams that have um, had players that have kind of teamed up together. And as I said, yeah, break super teams. Now I will. I'll end with this though. Get them. We're only we're only about a week into the season, and there's seventy. Every team has seventy plus games left. Right. There's plenty of time for some of these teams to turn it around and things get better. For things to change. But let's hope they don't.
4: No, I, I enjoy watching all these super teams, quote unquote, super teams tank because they're still getting covered on all the networks all the time. And now it's just a lot of people going, I was wrong, which I love watching apology tours <laughs> as well. Uh, I, and, and all of a sudden the Nets are saying that they need to get, find Ben Simmons love for the game again, that Ben Simmons needs to find his love for the game. Did you not have enough time? To find your love for the game and all that time you sat out? Yes. Uh, I mean, it, what, what do you need to do? Do you need to watch some basketball movies? Uh What does it take to, after all that money and all that time off, refine your love for the game? Pelicans have got it. Pelicans guys seem to love playing with each other, which has been uh, a lot of fun. And, uh boy, just watching some of these guys mope around the court, I got to say, it, it makes me smile inside.
5: Yeah, and I think in addition to the the losing that some of these teams have had and what, if you look at their, their record and, and it's, it's all bad across the board um, there's no column in the standings for making people miserable. Right. But I feel like that's kind of what's happening. It just seems like it, it's just no, no fun whatsoever to follow or support some of these teams, the way that they've kind of put themselves together or put themselves in the position they're in. So um, that part is just, frustrating as well it's got to be frustrating if you're a fan of one of these teams that not only are you not winning but it feels like some of the joy has been kind of sucked out of the whole equation of being a fan and and and, and wanting to root for a team luckily we have i think the opposite of that where yes. not only do we have a team here that's off to a good start but it's a bunch of guys that seem to have bonded really well together they seem to all have each other's backs they all root for each other they're all cheering for mm-hmm. each other from the bench and when you add add all of that up, I think you have a fan base that is super excited and very motivated. As I've said several times in the past, you want to see these guys succeed. You want to see these guys do well. And so that's one of the best developments of the beginning part of the season beyond mm-hmm. the 3-1 and one is that we're just seeing a lot of the positivity and a lot of the – I hate to use this word because I feel like it's gets overused, but team culture – is, yeah. is kind we of, score we're, we're seeing we're seeing that on on the court right now
4: well and that's the thing is the pelicans came together organically you know a lot of these players were drafted into the organization brought here together um it just seems like they were they were sort of raised up together and it creates a culture what takes I think what the joylessness comes from, from a lot of these other fan bases and the way these super teams are constructed is because it's inorganic.
5: Yeah, it's, it's very manufactured. Yeah,
4: they're, mm-hmm. you're renting players openly. You, mm-hmm. uh, you openly know you're renting players who are ring hunting. Right. And there's a lot of stress associated with that because it's win now every single season. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a ticking clock. There's a guillotine hanging yep. over your head all the time. When is this going to end? And is it all going to be for nothing? and you have almost nothing for it because so many of these teams traded all their draft picks Mm -hmm. away or Mm -hmm. all of their other assets away, ring hunting.
5: And one of the analogies that I would use too is with some of these guys, there's, there's always teams and fan bases that are understandably very excited when you land that big name player, but there's two sides of the coin because what cost as if a player was super disloyal to his previous team, and was, had one foot out the door the whole time he was there, yeah, what, makes, what makes you think that he's not going to do the same thing to you? Exactly. So one of the analogies... They're bounty hunters. One of the weird analogies that I've used in the past is if you have a friend that you find out, okay, he's getting married and he f- finally met somebody, but she uh, cheated on her previous husband, like, you're happy for your friend, but how do you know... Don't you kind of feel like, hey, dude, you better watch your back because if they did this to somebody else why wouldn't they do that to you? And uh-huh. I kind of feel the same way about some of the players that have left certain teams. It's like as you put it very well, there's a time, there's a clock ticking because they came it was kind of an arranged situation like they they don't owe you anything if they came in that way. So For sure. as opposed to like you mentioned um players that come up together that are brought in. I mean, the Pelicans have a ton of guys that have a ton to prove and they all came in last season with that idea of, you know, we're trying to establish ourselves in the NBA. So there's a different bond than there is for a team where the guy just showed up and said, Hey, hand over, hand over the organization to me. yes, And I'm going to run everything, even though I'm a player. And the other players kind of have to fall in line. The other players look around and see that they, they Mm -hmm. know that a certain team X has decided to hand the keys over to the star player on the team. So what can you really do? What can you say you don't have any power in that situation? Yeah, the anymore. Pelicans
4: are growing something. And a lot of these teams were just given pieces and and a running clock. And so uh, to see them struggle and to see the reasons why they struggle, to me, is not surprising. Yeah. Uh, but to, I guess, a lot of the media and, and, and passive viewers – it seems like why is why is one-star player not able to just win us a title? Mm-hmm. It takes more than just one-star player sometimes. We know that here in New Orleans. Sure. And we know what it feels like to have a ticking clock over your star player's head here in New Orleans. And it wasn't fun to root for. It wasn't no. fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we have here is, again, so organic, so genuine. It is fun to watch. It's easy to get behind these guys. And to know that you've got nothing but hope a hopeful future ahead of you we have got more draft picks coming go lakers huh uh and you've you've got a bunch of young guys who are really coming into their own that means something and i think new orleanians especially can get behind that
5: joe i'm excited because i feel like we started with the Jim rant and we ended up with the joe rant so yeah what a what a great way to to wrap up the show i feed off
4: your energy man i'm ready to go (laughs) run through a wall that's jim eichenhofer man always fun to do the podcast with you We'll be be talking to you guys next week. Uh, We'll have more podcast guests, maybe a mystery guest. We don't know. Uh, So, again, thanks to Christian Clark from NOLA.com for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Pelicans podcast. Until then, go Pels.
3: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.